Hey, I'm, I'm Ben. Jeff. I'm Ben. I'm Jeff. Uh, no, I'm... I'm <sighs> ben, just, just do, do it. The, just do okay, the I'm, thing. Sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, hey, this is Ben, Jeff, and Thayer, and we host a podcast called Convince Me, where we have guests on to try to convince us to get on board with their unique obsessions. Check out our I'm podcast. It's called Convince Me. I'm Jeff. Hey everyone, welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Perlstein. Uh, today we're about to have Matt Besser on the show. I normally record the intros after I've actually done the interview. Today this is different. I got to Besser's like 45 minutes early and I decided to record the intro now. So I have no clue what's going to happen. I hope it goes well. Uh, I'm sure you guys are going to love it though. I also want to say thanks to everybody who's been talking about the podcast, telling people about it, helping it grow. You guys make it super rewarding to do, and I really appreciate your support and your feedback as the process goes on. Um, I also wanted to tell everybody about the L.A. Indie Improv Festival. It's coming up on May 26th. It's going to be 12 hours of improv, and it's going to be awesome. So you should check out the website, laindieimprovfestival.com. The deadline to submit your team is May 4th. So do that. Um, I've submitted a few teams. Uh, I'm hoping to submit some more. You should do it as well. Uh, we should have an awesome day of improv in L.A. and be independent of the theater. I don't know if I should be plugging that, I guess, on the day that I'm, like, interviewing the founder of the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. But I am. So check it out. Uh, I guess that's it, guys. Here it goes. Uh, the Matt Besser interview. What's going to happen? I don't know. It's the Improv Session Podcast. 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 All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Perlstein. Today, we are at a new location uh, at the very special, the, well, the house of the very special guest, Matt Besser. Hey there. Hey. Welcome. Yes. Thank you for letting me uh, come here and uh, ask you way too many questions about improv. Okay. I'm let's really get excited. obsessed. <laughs> uh, I do have a small problem. It's true. Um, let's, so, let's see. I... Black. I, you know what I should have done is actually decided where I'm going to start with this, uh, <laughs> but I didn't. Um, let's just start with okay. So you, I just listened to the uh, the the Pete Holmes interview. You made it weird, and you mentioned that you had a eulogy for Del Close in which you spanked Second City, and that just sounded really interesting to me. Uh, so I kind of want to know what is that, that how I put it. Um... You said spanked. Which I well, I just you know they they had a service for him at Second City, and I when I was going in that day, I just noticed on that day they didn't have any pictures of Dell in the lobby, and I get I guess I just uh, what I said was I think it's important that Second City acknowledge what Dell did for them, and I don't think they really did up until that point. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you're, well, I guess it's not one of the few, but you did, you did study with Del Close for a while, right? Um, yeah, for, gosh, I don't know, three or four years, I guess. Yeah. He directed two of our shows. With the, the family. Uh-huh. Um, so I guess Del Close is like, 
I think it's safe to call him like an improv god. Like at this point, like he's just every whenever you're talking about improv, I feel like Del Close comes up or like it's kind of like he's the one who really pioneered the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like being somebody who learned from him. Uh, I mean, you, you, do you believe that holds up that he is really this incredible figure? Uh, I don't know. Like, I wonder, I wonder what you take from having studied with Del Close. Well, he definitely invented long form. I mean, there's a bunch of his contemporaries that worked on it with him, but I think he did, he put the most thought and time into it and certainly the most direction. Yeah. Um, and with Sharna's help organizing, uh, put together the first long form improv institution, as far as I can tell. Um, so yeah. And when you say God, are you trying to make a larger point? Like he, he could be more like Jesus in that people are always interpreting his words to meet how, whatever their own philosophy is. Okay. uh, I could, I could buy that analogy. Or I guess people do that with the word of God too. Well, he is—he's like a—he's a—he is like a higher figure, and I think what that like because one, yeah, because one, he—he's not around, so we can't like whatever whatever thing you're getting from him, however you're, you're feeling about Del Close. Oh, Del Close would not have liked this thing, or he would have liked this thing, or he would have whatever. Uh, it's all kind of subjective to uh-huh. whatever. Uh, you're saying, but you're actually a person who studied with him. So like that would make you like a disciple or something like that. Sure. Okay. The truth of him (laughs) liking or not liking. uh, I think there are a lot of things that he would like and not like. And, and both of those, there's forms that he would like sometimes. And then maybe a month later, not like, so it's even silly to to, to ever say that period. Um, he was a man of strong opinions and that's what made him delightful. But, uh, you know, I I don't think we need to interpret his words. We just need to, you know, respect that he did start all these things and use the, use improv the way that you understand it and use it the best to your whatever your improv philosophy is rather than trying to figure out what Dell's was I think okay I like that um and then so so then I guess let's talk about your philosophy so or UCB philosophy mm-hmm. so the, I think the the big thing that's I think de- safe to say that UCB is known for is game and uh and like really actually defining that and maybe solidifying what it is in the mind of improvisers. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think we're the school that decided we really feel that finding the game of the scene is the most important thing of long-form improv. And there's possibly a lot of schools out there who think that's just maybe one element of it. Right. Um, and we think that, no, it's the main element and everything else kind of informs that, mm-hmm. informs finding the game, helps you find the game. Okay. Well, I, uh, I had a, I had a conversation not too long ago and, uh, I thought maybe this would be probably the best person to get in on this is, uh, the game has maybe changed, uh, exactly what it means in the UCB community. Um, and I kind of wondered what maybe... 
I guess, yeah, how, how do you define game or like if you can put it in really... No, I mean, let me hear you define it. Okay, so I'll define game. <laughs> so, I, okay, so I feel like I've heard it defined in class and just around is like the one unusual thing. Um, and then I've also uh, heard it defined as the type <laughs> of thing that you, you initiate, like the thing that you think is going to be funny. Um, and then this other person was advocating it was neither of those. It was, it's, it doesn't matter what you initiate. If you think you're initiating with game and it doesn't matter, whatever, it's what the audience first laughs at. So, and that, that let's break all that down. Okay, great. (laughs) Um, so what was the first one you said that it's the first, that it's the unusual thing. Yeah. The, the, the one unusual thing in the scene. Okay. So the first unusual thing is what breaks you from yes and, correct? The first un- okay, <laughs> the first unusual thing is the thing that breaks you. So you're talking so you're like you're yes anding a scene, you're building it and uh-huh. then something unusual happens and then that breaks you from yes and. So that's Right. You don't okay. need a yes and anymore once you find an unusual thing, right? Sure. Because now you can play the game. Mm-hmm. And the game is if this unusual thing is true, then what else is true? Right. That's what we think the game is. Okay. So the unusual thing is just, you know, is part of that sentence. So, yeah, the game is the be- or the first unusual thing is the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. And what was the second thing you said? Well, it's, uh, it's some, what you're like, I guess if you're coming off of an opening from a herald or monologue, whatever, uh, what you're initiating with. Is- right. So that's a premise. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so a premise, hold on. So a premise is the avoidance of yes and. Mm-hmm. Because you don't need a yes and if you're starting a scene with the premise. The yes anding occurred in the opening because mm-hmm. that's where the premise was pulled from, right? I guess, yeah. Well, what do you mean, I guess? Um, I, I agree with you. Uh, however, so if you're, I guess if you're starting with a premise, I don't think that necessarily all the work is done. Like, I think it's possible to start with a premise without things like a location or just like uh, maybe clear specifics. So I feel like even though you're starting with the premise, you're you're jumping through a lot of yes and, but you still have to do a little, right? Um, even just even l- just l- like l- on... let's let's just let's back it up. So okay. <laughs> so we had a suggestion. Sure. From that suggestion, we did an opening, mm-hmm. and from that opening we saw different funny things whatever it was whether it was an observation or a detail which inspired a premise Mm -hmm. a premise being you know take it out of improv the way you could describe what a sketch is right sure that's a good way to understand it to me the easiest way to understand it is a funny thing that's put into a pattern and becomes funnier and funnier. That's kind of a non-improv word way of saying it. Okay. Um, so we did it, got a suggestion, did an opening, took a premise, and then with that premise, hopefully... Somebody's home. <laughs> <laughs> so 
This is your dog. You can edit this out, right? No, I, I'm leaving it in. <laughs> I like that the reaction to the door opening was just pure silence. <laughs> I was waiting on to say what you were going to do, and you were just quiet. <laughs> all right. Please edit that out. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So you get a you get a you get a premise and you start and then you don't need to yes and anymore because yes anding was just building your your who what and where um till you ran into an unusual thing premise is is walking into a scene beginning a scene with an unusual thing mm-hmm. and a who what and a where mm-hmm. the best way to start a premise scene is in one sentence saying who, what, where, and the unusual thing. And it's not cheating because you yes-anded in the opening. That's what you were doing in the opening was yes-anding around until you found some premises. Sure. So that's the difference between premise, improv, long-form improv, which which has an opening, and organic long-form improv, which just has a suggestion and no opening mm-hmm. fair enough um so so then and then i guess to kind of speak on what this other person was speaking to me about <laughs> uh then if you so if you initiate with the premise and you're like this is clearly what's funny and unusual and the audience doesn't laugh then is it safe to say that you have not found your game yet and you need to keep yes ending. Well, well, to use any definition of the game and involve the audience response is kind of weird because that means sure. that you could never do a rehearsal and find the game. Okay. Because there's no audience. So I would never use an audience response as a definition of the game. But okay. what an audience response is is when you're yes ending in a uh, organic long form improv scene they help you recognize the unusual thing and mm-hmm. sometimes the audience has a better perspective on what the unusual thing is than you do when you're yes anding when you're yes anding you're setting up what we call base reality mm-hmm. reality base um, where everything is just very real you're just trying to just be real and Step a who, what, and where, and be as real as possible until that unusual thing arises. And once it does, it's time to heighten and, and explore. But uh, I think I got lost in my own explanation. But um, what we're talking about? That's all right. Well, then I okay. So I have a then I guess a. Uh, oh, we're talking about the audience. Yeah. Uh, so so the so I don't really need the audience to tell me if if I'm taking a premise from the opening. I don't need the audience to tell me where the uh, where the, where the game is because okay. I'm walking into the scene with the game. Right. You're walk you're walking in with something that will be funny, repeatable, and playable. Right. And if you're saying they don't laugh, then well, maybe I didn't think of a very funny premise. Right. So, <laughs> but so then. Then doing premise improv, you have to have you have to have a strong idea of what's funny. Like you can't you can't be Well, you don't have to walk into a scene with a fully formed premise. You could just walk into a scene with what we call a half idea. Right. So if 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 you're if there's an opening and you're like, 
I don't know how to say in a real clear sentence what I find. I, I you know, in other words, I, I can't come up with a great sketch idea just based on the opening, but I know. In that area of the monologue, there was something funny going on. We all were laughing. There's the audience telling you the unusual thing. You know, they're like, that was funny in the yeah. monologue. And you're like, yeah, that was funny. And maybe you don't know why yet, but you know it is. So you take that detail of that part of the monologue or that part of whatever your opening is, and you begin the scene with that element, whatever it is. Right. Th- and then you, you start yes anding and and then with that funny idea and you, you're pretty much right away going to find that yeah. unusual thing and what about it when I say what about it that, that's about the sentence that kind of goes through my head like yeah what about what he was saying in that monologue what about that little loop of information that we were laughing about that juxtaposition of words in the opening what about that what's funny about that yeah in the same way you would if you were in a sketch writing meeting if if you just brought up a topic you know kanye and kim kardashian that's a funny couple yeah it is why is it a funny couple i can't express myself right away to say why i think they're a funny couple but I just know they are, and maybe we just start acting like them for a second. We'll figure out why they are a funny couple. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that could be something that just occurs. It's just said in the opening, and everyone laughs. And, like, you're like, I'm not sure why we're laughing, but, yeah, it is funny. So, to me, that's like a half idea. So, you just start a scene there. And I think pretty much if you just playing it real whatever that thing was you'll you'll run into that unusual thing and go ah there it is that's what yeah there's that that's what's funny about this now we got our unusual thing now we don't have to yes and anymore now we can think of what to feed the unusual thing that keeps it going right okay (laughs) i like it um all right so let's see what else can i go move straight to Uh, if you're doing, I guess we can talk. You don't you don't do much organic improv at all these days. Well, I only do ASCAT and Improv for Humans, and they both have the same structure of taking a story and pulling premises from it. So no, I don't. And I actually prefer not to because I find it more difficult. And I'm not looking. I'm not looking to make my improv more difficult. I'm make I'm looking just to show up and do it. And the the fun part to me is the heightening and exploring of a premise. So mm-hmm. if I can if if it's easier it's easier for me to hear a funny story and go, "Oh, that is funny." And I think it's funny for this reason and here's my who, what and where and the reason and let's get going and and explore that. Yeah. You you like you like the doing, not necessarily the discovery part of it, I guess. Well that... that sounds like a an organic purist way of putting it, but I would say I've been I've been doing a lot of organic purist stuff and it's honestly driving me a little crazy, but well, yeah, well, it's, that it says <laughs> Yeah, I could say the discovery was my discovery of it in the in the monologue, my ability to distill 
what was funny about what the storyteller was saying into a sentence. So the discovery was there. Mm -hmm. And what's great is usually it's a mutual discovery. It's not just me. It's everybody on stage. We all heard that moment. We all went, aha, yeah, that is funny. So that makes it even easier for both of us because we both laughed at that versus organic. I'm just in my own head. You know, I'm in the moment with the other person, but still we did, we haven't, whatever that word is, we haven't, there's no mutual brain yet of what we find funny about that word. Sure. We didn't have an opening where we were able to do that. It'd be like if you're writing a sketch, um, with a group of writers and you wouldn't just start writing. You wouldn't just go okay, let's do something on Kanye and Kim. Okay, Kanye says, and you start typing. You yeah. wouldn't do that. You'd go, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's discuss it first. Like, what are we going to write about? What's yeah. the angle? So you would just, and you'd say, what's funny about this? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's that they both have unbelievably huge egos. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They both do have crazy egos, and they both... You know, he talks about himself in songs and she, all she's about is talking about herself and reality. Tell, you know, and you start to find common patterns and you'd riff and then you'd be ready to do the scene. Yeah. So that's what I feel an opening is. So if you're not doing an opening, you're skipping that brainstorming session basically. Mm -hmm. And you're hoping to organically run into a funny scene and you do. And it's great. And it's fun to watch. And it's fun to do. But to me, it's more difficult. Yeah. Um, it's just not how my brain works. I'd rather do it the, the other way. Yeah. Um, but it's whatever works for you, basically. And some people aren't good at that. Some people aren't good at writing sketch, for instance. They aren't. They don't like doing it that way. They like doing it, coming up with comedy in a different way. Right. Um, but I guess I, I always think of the opening as a, a, as a pitch meeting for a sketch basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sounds to me like you're just ready. You want to just attack the funny thing. Like let's not, let's not all love each other's ideas and massage them into something good. Like let's but just, that's get... what the opening is. That's what right. I'm saying. I guess is the, the area that you're yes anding in your organic scene mm -hmm. is the time I'm spending in the opening and they're both filled with mutual discovery right they're you're just doing it in a different way right well I guess I, yeah I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just imagining Ascat and then it's like for yeah for you it's you get you go on you're you're immediately doing uh -huh. funny stuff uh -huh. <clears throat> uh, and the same for improv for humans which is like you know, usually the first line is like a very clear like uh, this is unusual let's play Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes we just we we take an element in improv for humans. We just almost directly start repeating an element of the story and go from there, mm -hmm. which I think is something that a lot of improvisers avoid or are, are told to avoid. That it's called hitting the nail on the head. I mean, to me, that's a dumb improv note. Like it uh, feels too easy or too simple, and like we. But I think don't do that's stupid. Do it's not. It's not easy. It's and it would be like saying, 
if you're writing a movie, funny movie about your life and you were a fireman, someone going, well, don't write about being a fireman. That's too on the head. You should write about being a policeman instead. You go, yeah. no, I was a fireman. So that's what, you know, it's just a silly thing. Like, and especially in a Herald, because you have two other beats to get away from the thing that, that you started with directly. Sure. But, uh, yeah, that's what I like. To me, if you don't have a premise, that's one of the easiest ways to do it. Is just take a part of that story and just kind of start there. Start at that funny place and where you knew it was funny and launch out from there. So you're not really repeating the story. You're kind of just jumping out from a moment of it. Mm -hmm. I get that. Um, okay. So... Yay. I understand premise improv perfectly now. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, I'll, I'll move on to maybe something. I'll probably come back to it because I've, these notes are insanely bad. Uh, I heard, I heard this story, uh, not too long ago. Uh, and I don't know whether it's true or not. So I'm just going to tell you the story that I heard is that you, you were teaching a class and, uh, and a student in the class was, uh, not good at improv. I will say or doing bad improv. <laughs> and then that student was removed from Harold Knight. Now what? I heard that story. Uh, I, I don't that know if it's true. So crazy. Is it, is it crazy? I mean, is it really that crazy? Cause like <laughs> one, if like I heard it and I'm like, yeah, all right. I buy it. Like, <laughs> That's crazy for so many reasons. Sure. So wait, we'll, wait, wait, let me hear it again. Uh, we'll just say you were you were teaching a class, obviously in advance. This was supposed to be LA, uh-huh. um, and uh, a student was not good in your class, and uh-huh. then that student was no longer on Harold Knight. Not too long after that, huh. and one have I ever taught a class in LA while we had a Harold Knight? Like I, I don't think know. I only taught before we did. Okay, um, but. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I did that, but, but what if I did? So what? Well, so like, why should they be on Herald night if they're not a good improviser? No, that was actually going to, that was not my, that was my question is like, do you, do you feel like there is, uh, maybe like I would unobj- never, I would never just do that. Cause what if they were just having a bad class? Sure. I would, I would ask the coach of the team I'd, I'd say, wow, so-and-so really doesn't get it. Yeah. How do they do on the team if they went, ah, oh, they're just nervous in class and they're actually a great support player. Like, yeah. who knows? Um, and also, I wouldn't want to take the wrath of the team just willy-nilly <laughs> cutting a, a member of a team. So that's ridiculous, too. Right. But, um, no. Well, to so me, it was sad. an interesting story because... Story? You know? The story didn't have many details. Uh, okay. Well, it was a, a vague <laughs> thing it? that happened. Uh, or did not happen. Well, because because I think I've heard you say in interviews and podcasts before that like you do believe that not everybody's funny. Uh, like I, I and I remember like in classes you well, can of like course not. So of course not everybody's funny. <laughs> so like I want like I wondered to you is there like do you have do you have like maybe how oh, this is like an obje- a way to like objectively assess whether or not somebody is capable or doing improv or just performing or things like that. Like, is, is there something like in your head that's like, okay, you, I don't think you're going to ever, you know, be great at this. We'll say. 
No, I don't know. Um, I, it's been a while since I, I've. I, that's why when you said LA, I was like, I don't even think I've done that kind of teaching since I've been in LA. Like the last time I taught eight weeks at a time, I believe was in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, you really have to get to know a student over many, many months to come up with that kind of judgment. Sure. So yeah, I think if I had worked with someone and I, there are, you know, 10 years ago, people that I did work with for two to three years who are like, wow, they've tried for three years to be an improviser. And I just don't think they get it. And that's just from observation, but it sounds like you're kind of asking like, could I do a workshop and then throw someone up there and go, nope, based on that (laughs) scene, you'll never do good. (laughs) No, I don't think so. I think you could, uh, I think you could give improvisers the analogy section of the SAT. Mm -hmm. And I think people who do better on that are probably better at doing heralds. Yeah. I think you could. uh, I could buy that. Yeah. Because in a way, comedy is doing analogies. Yeah. Uh, It's a shame they removed the analogy section from the SAT. Did they? Yep. They did it. They did it the year I took the SAT. It was no longer on the test, and they also wow. moved it up to twenty four hundred points. And now there's an essay. Wow. It's a whole, it's a whole racket. Old. Now <laughs> it's build your own hologram. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's tough, but it's important. No, I mean that's why we have such a. That's why the Herald team audition is so hard, and that's why we try to make it better. And better, and we don't we don't just let someone on a herald team just based on that one audition or the right. two days of auditions. It's also based on we are all the notes from all their teachers that we keep on them and how they've grown and their observations. So it's from as it's from as many observations from as many coaches and teachers as possible. Hmm. Um. I think the only time we ever would kick someone out is if someone was kind of a disruptive imp- improviser, like a stage hog or, sure. or mentally unstable or, <laughs> and these things have all happened, but it's usually like a once a year kind of thing. Okay. Not a common problem. Yeah. I hope not. Um, yeah. Harold Knight's really good right now. I'm a fan. Um, so, and then also kind of with that same question, do you ever, do you ever like watch, uh, improv now? I mean, I want, I want, like, I don't, not I don't really. Know. I, uh, I try to do it a lot at the Del Close marathon mm-hmm. as much as I can. Um, and I try to check in on the UCB LA Herald night, like once or twice a year. Um, but uh, that's as much time as I give it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We I talked I talked with uh, Eugene Cordero about this. Actually, is like the I think it was the pressure of Harold Knight, and you know you got your coaches watching and what all that. And then I think his example was yeah. And what if Matt Besser shows up? It's probably going to be a nerve wracking night. Uh, <laughs> 
I think I, I think yeah. Every, everybody's I'm intimidated by you. I feel like people are uh, like by by every because uh, you're you're one you're one of the founders of the theater. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And like your stat, I I feel I feel as if you almost have yeah like disciple status, guru status. You know. Well, there's stories about me. Cutting people willy nilly from terrifying. teams. That's terrifying. Uh, but that would have been a beheading <laughs> at certain points in history. It's true. Uh, but have it be okay. So being somebody, I think. Do you well? Do you feel like you have that status, or do you feel like that's insane to have, have people going like Matt Besser is a guru? Um, that that's kind of a word I don't think anyone would want to associate with him, guru, because it implies you have a, you're kind of have a crazy ego. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I I am not a nurturing improv teacher, and I think that's what you're kind of getting at. Um, I just try to explain improv the best I can. And I analyze scenes the best I can, but I'm not into telling people how great they're doing and making them feel good about their scene and the mistakes they make. And I don't think that's a upper level thing, necessary thing to do. Just like college, um, at a certain point, you just need a teacher just giving you the straight up facts and trying to make you a better improviser um but uh uh if that's yeah i guess that is intimidating and i was intimidated when i was doing upper levels when i was a student too when we were working on with dell and new forms it was very intimidating we didn't want to screw up but uh i I think that's I don't know. I don't think that's negative, though. Uh, no, no, no. Um, and that was that wasn't necessarily what I was getting at at all. But uh, right. But uh, the, you're you, yeah. You're asking about the guru thing. Like Dell, he was definitely you know he has the book called Guru, and he really was a guru. Mm-hmm. And I think he kind of embraced that, and he w- did make it. He was very spiritual spiritual about improv and very artful about it and you know he could talk about the opening to a herald for a month and compare it to Indian uh, rituals of coming into manhood you know and all this stuff and he's not joking around and that's really how he felt about it and you know he talked about how improv is we can spread love by everybody improvising and and I'm you know I I totally see that and we've totally supported that I don't think I would ever speak like that myself sure but uh with from Dell it, it was sincere and it came off sincere and it didn't come off like He's a crazy ego. It came off like, yeah, he's the dude that started improv. He is the guru of improv, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think the, the UCB, we have, we've been working on this improv book for like the last five years. And and it's been a lot of, 
in a way it's been it's been very challenging but it's been a lot of fun too i like to and that's why I, I like doing your a podcast like this i like talking seriously about improv and breaking it down yeah um it's almost like a utilitarian view on it i feel like you're one of those people who has like a less it's not so mystic it's not like it's not it's not so like we get on stage and we create magic it's like there are steps and we do great stuff from it right i mean i guess i understand why it looks like magic and i believe in the power of group mind and ensemble but i also see how it's done and how you can teach it and how you can learn it yeah um so to me to speak too mystically about it and to make it too self-helpy or whatever just makes it icky and lame and why why go there sure uh, I, I like comedy. I like talking about how comedy works, and and uh, it's great that you can. That it's not just. I think it's easier to talk about than like how acting works. You mm -hmm. know, like to me, improv classes are way more tangible than acting classes are. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe for other people, that's not true. But for me, like. It's easier. It's yeah. easier to, or more, that's not the word easier. Uh, it's more tangible. That's the word, I guess. Yeah. It's less abstract. Okay. Uh, how, how long have you been doing improv? Um, since 90. 90. Okay. So 22 years ish. Um, do you ever get nervous or lost or confused on stage now? Um, if I get lost, like sometime, yeah, like at least once, you know, every four shows, I'll come off and go, wait a minute, what were you guys talking about in there? Like, where are you coming from? And they're like, oh, we were coming from when he said, when he was in the Air Force. Like, ah, oh, I forgot he did say he was in the Air Force. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, that'll happen. That's the kind of getting lost. I don't think that's the kind of lost you were talking about. Though. I think you mean like lost, like what's going on? Like, yeah. Like why is beginning this of the scene, scene working for, um, yeah. Like sometimes like, you get an initiation. So, like I got an initiation not too long ago. It was like, it was like a, an, an, an Igor like assistant who came in and I was like, what are you doing? Like, and I try, like, I didn't really know how to play or what to play. Cause I'm like, this is just, I'm just trying to follow this, mm -hmm. but I'm confused. Like that but type of thing. The thing <clears throat> is, so if you're not inter if you're bringing the premise, you're not lost because it was your premise. You right. know what you thought was funny, and you can stick to that. And if you initiated it, the other person should be trying to figure out what it is too. And you're trying to give them clues. The subtext of every move you're making is, isn't this funny? Isn't don't you think this is funny? Don't you think we can do something with this? Is that's funny? And he's going. What do you think is funny? What do you think is funny? Until eventually he goes, oh, that's what you think is funny. That yeah. is funny. And now let's do more of that together. Yeah. That's the nervous. That that was a description of the nervous time up till solution. And let's yeah. start improvising. Um, if you find yourself in that time and you're not the person that brought out the premise, that means you're in the position of thinking, what, what is premise or what's the half idea or where is he coming from? Right. All you have to do is be real. All you have to do is just be 
part of that base reality and just be absolutely play whatever the moment is at the top of your intelligence, which is maybe something we should talk about what okay. that means, but play at the top of your intelligence as the best of your ability. And then if that person is just doing the premise and you're playing it as real as possible, even if you're Igor, there's a real way to play Igor, you know, you know what Igor is and what, what he's supposed to be. So if you're playing Igor at the best of your ability to play Igor, yeah. then the unusual thing is going to rise above Igor in the way you're playing it. You're going to go, oh, there's the unusual thing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Sure. It's, uh, it's, yeah. If so, if, yeah, if you're, it's, om- it's almost like, yes anding in a way except you're almost leaving it up to your partner if if they're initiating that situation and well, like, you're listening in the, and you're really you're really paying attention and you yeah you're right you you're are accepting you are yes since you don't know what the unusual thing is yet you are yes anding and you're just you're existing there going who what where who what where right but you can't the problem is, is most people try to be funny at that point, mm-hmm. and they'll they'll force an unusual thing. They'll they'll say Igor, you'll make Igor say something a little funny, or and now you have two unusual things up on stage. Whatever your partner, like under your scenario that you painted, did that partner have a premise going or were you guys both to this day? I still don't know. Uh, I, I, well, we did an opening, so I feel like there should have been a premise, but I don't know. Well, at least did they initiate the scene? Yeah. They initiated as like an Eeyore, like assistant and I brought the whatever. And I was like, Oh, so then you're supposed to be Dr. Frankenstein. Right. And you're just supposed to be the best and you should just start talking about getting parts for Frankenstein and, and, if you had no idea at all where they were coming from in the opening yeah. or what they thought was funny, then I would just be Dr. Frankenstein until that unusual thing presented itself. And then after a few lines, if like you're like, well, I'm sitting here, yes, and, and I'm playing at the top of my intelligence as, as Dr. Frankenstein, and I don't see what the unusual thing is, then basically you're in the middle of an organic scene Yeah, is the way you should treat it and go, okay, well, as soon as the first unusual thing does present itself, we'll, we'll yeah. jump on that. Yeah. And then after the show, your coach or director is going to say, okay, what happened there? What, where were you coming from in the opening is what I would say to the guy yeah. who initiated it as Igor. Because mm-hmm. I, I like it. When whatever your initiation is, it doesn't have to be a nail on the head as what we were talking about earlier. Hmm. No one was actually has a story about being Dr. Frankenstein. But for whatever reason that they started as Igor, they need to give us some clue to where they were coming from in the opening. Right. Maybe Igor wasn't said, but whatever was said, they need to give us some link to that. Otherwise, it's just like they might as well be starting. They might as well not have done an opening. Yeah. Because you you guys didn't mutually all see something together that is funny. And now you're just starting from scratch in a way. Right. Um, which is fine, too. But it's basically like you did an opening and now you're doing organic scenes after the opening. So you kind of was kind of like, well, why did you do the why opening? Why did we do the then? opening? Yeah. 
Um, all right. So you said we need to talk about top of your intelligence. Uh-huh. Um, Maybe. Depends <laughs> how obsessed you are. Uh, hey, yeah, this is great. I, I, I would love... Well, okay. So I think... All right. <laughs> well, you you said we need to talk about it, which me, to me means you feel like there's a problem with interpretation <laughs> of top you, of your intelligence. So now I'm gonna now so now I'm gonna go through it again. So I think there's a part of top of your intelligence that people maybe get wrong in that it's you hit the top of your intelligence and you think it's uh, it's shut down shut down the action like if something's doing weird. Uh, I feel, feel like there's like a policing thing that happens and it's like, well, I was playing this top of my intelligence. I'm not going to let this person do something unusual because I'm playing to the top of my intelligence. I think that's one thing that's not true, but often like protected under the guise of top of your intelligence. Uh, and then what else, top of your intelligence. And then also this is super early, but like people trying to be smart in scenes, like trying to show, well, of course the story of Dionysus. And you're just like, all right, like we're, we're we're drinking beers, like relax. Uh, so I feel like those are the those are, those are things that are wrongly interpreted, and I'm sure you have some other ones. Uh, but I feel like top of your intelligence is to to me it's more. God, it's almost it's almost just like no, it is. It's just being more real in the in the face of weird stuff, like and that and that's like and that almost it combats the like shutting down. But if somebody's like got a gun, you should be worried. Uh, you shouldn't go, hey, put that gun away. Guns aren't allowed here. You should be like, oh, God, I don't want to die. Is that – I just I, – I spoke for so long. So <laughs> I agree with that. But – so just to make it easier for everyone to understand. Sure. Me agreeing with the last thing you said. What What is – in? let's just take the word intelligence from top of your intelligence. And mm-hmm. what does that mean? Oh, intelligence. What is the intelligence in what you just said? So to me, that's uh, realness. It, it almost comes. Yeah, realness. It's your intelligence of what? Reality. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So like when you say military intelligence, the intelligence is of the enemy's positions or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we talk about intelligence and top of your intelligence... It's it's the intelligence of how people respond to each other in real life. Mm-hmm. How you react in any given situation in the realest way possible. And even and to go to the gun analogy, which is one of the easiest ways, easiest scenarios to uh, go to when talking about this. Mm-hmm. Because... It, you know, I've had a gun pointed at me, oh, cool. and I didn't scream. Um, you know, you can like have you can have you can you. have all sorts of reactions on stage, which are bullshit and not top of your intelligence. The most common is probably just nonchalance, like "give me your money," and like, and then them saying something funny, and you're like, "What world is this where they yeah. don't give a shit and that they could have just been shot?" Um, so that's the worst one. But then there's the, ah, like, that's like, okay, they're scared, but no one really screams like that. Probably. You would also probably think you might get shot if you screamed like that. Right. Um, so just the, 
you know, what is truly the most honest response of, of having a gun pointed at you? It might be not saying anything at all or just, like you said, tensing up. So you can really tweak your, your top of intelligence uh, gauge, knob, you know, after every scene and go, was I playing at top of my intelligence when the doctor gave me that absurd diagnosis you mm-hmm. know in the scene mm-hmm. um like how many scenes start with a doctor doing that and top of your intelligence would be to be upset about any disease period mm-hmm. but because it's an absurd disease top of your intelligence would make you think well I'm a smart person and that sounds absurd so I'm going to say that sounds absurd however it is a doctor and you, you're probably really nervous and you're not a doctor and you don't know what you're talking about so top of your intelligence might be to think that whatever the absurdity is is just something you don't understand yet right. so real type of intelligence reaction would just to be to go I'm sorry doctor I don't think I understand because what you said makes me I thought you said this but clearly that's absurd so please explain to me what you're saying like it wouldn't be outrage yeah it'd be you're, a more diplomatic you're not likely to just be like what doctor you're an ass because right it's like you're right doctor. so you don't want to jump even if that was what's in your head in real life you probably don't say that everyone's yeah. more diplomatic in real life and that's how you should be on stage too one because it makes the unusual things stick out more but also it's it's easier to be a straight man like if you're going, what? You're crazy right away. Then you should just be walking out of the doctor's office and running away. And then the scene's over. Right. That's, I think that's always the real challenge or like so early that, a challenge of straight man. Exactly. So some people think just straight man is just reacting and saying you're nuts, but yeah. there's very, there's that's a lot of levels <laughs> and shades of gray and, and, levels of reaction to things in real life so there should be that on stage too yeah and it it makes a scene last about as long as a scene should last instead of just being a blackout right you know i'm curious uh do you have this is yeah all right uh do you have maybe like a least favorite type of improv scene this is a pretty vague question but for me like you reminded me of it as like I always hate seeing a crazy thing happening. Uh, and we'll just say like, it's the Kardashians and uh, Kardashian and Kanye, uh, and they're being weird or whatever. And then someone tagging them out and going like, Kanye, you've been so weird lately. Uh, I'm going to have to fire you from being Kanye. Like that's, that's my least favorite type of scene. That's a bad example. But do you know what I mean at all by that? I think so. That the corrective scene of, this un- you've been doing this unusual thing and you can't do that anymore. It's like, all right, well, you've given me nothing else to play. You've, you've, you've highlighted that it's weird, but you've given me nothing to play and basically it's over, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's one of that my, doesn't that's sound a like a good, that doesn't sound like they're, it's, it happens so being often. Being a good improviser. Happens. Right? If I, I was at room 101 and indie show in LA and I 
told my friend that it happened four times before the night was over and it happened four times in the first three sets. It happens that, all that the time. That just seems like undercutting for the sake of a laugh. Yeah, it is. Well, that's just bad improv. I mean, there's there, there's also seen my my least favorite common thing is like if it's a courtroom scene or a movie set scene, everyone having too much fun with the details of those environments and that overtaking what the game is mm -hmm. like someone wants to play the bailiff or someone wants to be the sound guy or in them doing the object work of that thing or the chaos of now there's eight people and the judge is seated in a weird place and how right. come there's only two people in the jury and just getting in making those things the unusual thing all of a sudden where you had a, a more intelligent game going I find very frustrating yeah. like I'm like oh well where there, there went that game that we were tagging out and on a good train and now we took it to this environment and now everybody wants to play the the director that says cut too much you know sure. it's like that that wasn't what the game we were on and I've seen that a hundred times like if it was like when you organically fall into a new game, like you've played a game and you've tagged out a bunch and it's kind of wearing thin and the new discoveries made and everyone's like, okay, this is the new game. Let's go off on this. Yeah. I'm all for that, but I hate it when you fall into something that I've seen a million times and those people have done a million times. Yeah. It's like, it's just, sounds like what yours is. It's like they know it'll get a laugh, so they do it. Yeah. But uh, that's not that's not good improv yeah that though i think that one too with like the court like the courtroom thing it's i think that one comes under the the guise of like an intelligence or like i, I talked about this with Susie barrett at one point like somebody will go i'm sorry we don't have enough chairs like that's the same type of thing it's like all right man you're you're really like deconstructing the logic of the improv or whatever it is it's like well, that's, it's like that's the, the, the set worst. isn't right or like the set that's isn't the, right or that's you know the where's the most it? common you know, there's only four chairs on stage. If, if the, the person who comes out in a in a classroom scene and goes, "Hey, teach, well, I got a chair," is like, "Wow, you must not be funny," because everyone has seen that that improv joke, and probably the a good portion of the audience is going to laugh at that. Yeah, but you just do we really want that to be the start of the scene right now? Before yeah. I'm. I just came out the premise and now we're going to talk about the chairs. I listened to the opening and I pulled out something from the opening that we all saw was funny. And now we're going to do a scene about the, uh, the fact that there's five of us and there's only four chairs. Yeah. That's, that's just pathetic. It's very and sad. that that's irritating. It happens a lot. Not a lot. Um, it happens. Well, then that's the job of that director or coach to go. Why is that happening? Yeah. And if it's, a show that doesn't have that then <laughs> god bless that show there you go um all right so i'm well i have a bunch of questions but is there anything that you want to talk about about improv uh no i want to no? answer these questions all right man well fuck let's uh you i like i like this one yeah, this is also in the pete holmes thing 
you said something about it's all about everybody wants to wants respect and to earn respect. Uh huh. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like I need I need a little bit more respect? This isn't much of an improv question. It isn't. That's why um, I was. That's why I asked you. <laughs> uh, I was more talking about stand up. Sure. When and and podcasting and podcasting inter interviews and I said I thought the common element um, was people making sure their stories or whatever they were getting across brought them respect I think that's what I was saying okay well we can disregard um, that question and move on to an improv no, question I, it's I, fine. I, I'm not sure what the, the context is in regards to what we're talking about but uh, in, in actually in regards to this podcast, I assume I have respect in this world, and that's why I don't. I feel like I don't have to have that conversation. I don't need yeah. to talk about the founding of the theater and all that kind of stuff that really bores me, really. And I like to talk about improv, mm -hmm. you know, with people who like to hear about it. So um, I just assume they're this far into the podcast that they respect me and I don't need to <laughs> okay to ask for it that's fair enough them. I could agree with that completely um let's see the one that I was just looking at and I liked it and then I lost it okay yeah so imp you do improv for humans podcast on the earwolf Na earwolf network mm -hmm. uh that is uh like we said it's also premise driven uh that is to me, I want, uh, it feels like it's probably like the most clever improv possible. Does that, okay. Like you guys are all trying to say the funny thing it feels like on that show. Do you, do you, <laughs> do you buy that? I don't know what you mean. Well, uh, okay. So like, cause, cause it almost <laughs> sounds like you're saying we're trying to be jokey. It, like what? What do you mean? We're trying to say the funny thing? Because because you're not going to. Okay, so here's why: because you're not going to be able to get uh, any any subtle reaction doesn't exist on that show. Any object work doesn't really happen. Like every, I feel like everything has to be. All right, I kind of disagree big. with you, okay. especially object work. Obviously, doesn't exist, but. Uh, well, even as far as subtle reaction, I think actually that's one of the things I enjoy about the show is because we are so on mic, we don't have to be projecting. Yeah. And we can... Oh, that's interesting. We can uh, speak a little more normally. It's more Nichols and May kind of vibe to me. Okay. And there are a lot of pauses that we may not give on a stage because you you're you're fill, you're, you're always trying to fill in the the dead space or mm -hmm. there's the laughing or whatever but there are the the on purpose dead spots and pauses to show uncomfortableness in scenes that sure. I don't have in a live show okay I, I could believe that. I do listen to all all the podcasts at double speed, so maybe it's a person. Are you thing. kidding me? Yeah, I listen to everything at double speed. I don't got time. 
But look, you see what happens? You you, you totally <laughs> lost an element of our show that I just described. I did. Cuz you I'm not going to change it. You are you are literally <laughs> skipping over these subtle reactions. That's true. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. That's like I've learned something those, about I've learned something about myself today. <laughs> you're you're one of those guys you might as well watch uh, movies with subtitles and put them at three times speed, and that way you can just read the dialogue. Yeah, well, it's a habit you don't from need the acting. It's a habit from more conversational podcasts because they're slow, and I'm I feel like I'm a good listener. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's just get it done. Uh, <laughs> if you I can just listen. need the, the zeros and ones inputted into your head. I do. I do. I like I like learning stuff. Uh, and preferably as quickly as possible. Podcast uh-huh. work. But uh, when it comes to acting, that's different, though. It's you true. You do lose. You lose. No, don't get me wrong. I feel like a fool. Timing. Timing. <laughs> timing. <laughs> is lost in double speed. It's true. Um, so, okay, let's... Uh, then another thing is... Outside of improv, uh, is there a way to improve your improv? Uh, for example, uh, Billy Merritt is big on saying, like, consume story, consume story all the time. And Colton came on my podcast and told me to, like, if you haven't done drugs, do drugs. And <laughs> I didn't do that, but I stole some chapstick because that was also in his uh, line of things. Like, if, you haven't, if you've never stolen anything before, you should try it. Uh, <laughs> I think he said that. I wonder if I'm just making this up. But that was the sentiment, so I decided to steal chapstick that day. Um, but I wonder if there's anything that you have that you feel like, outside of improv, is there a way to become a better improviser? <clears throat> Um, outside of improvising, is there a way to become... Well, I'm not sure if this qu- quite answers your question, but on nights when I want to be a good improviser, like on the few we've we've taped ASCATs or we've been on the road and it's a big night, or um, I'll do something like I'll read the New Yorker magazine or, or something where... It's an article or a story or something that makes my brain work a little hard. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not television. I used to do that and a lot. Not, and not a newspaper or a magazine or like a, something where you, you got to think about it a little bit. And that's why I say a New York article because that, that's the usually go in depth into something I, I used to read Malcolm Gladwell articles before all of my shows uh-huh and it's like not that you're going to gonna that. take an idea from it and you most likely are not but I think it actually exercises your brain and loosens up your brain and gets your brain out of thinking about yourself and all your problems in your life and all your worries and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and it's like, it stretches out your brain, mm-hmm. not like you're stretching it out in your group warm ups, in some other way, in some way that makes you a little smarter. I, I didn't have that when I was in high school or college, that f- philosophy, but maybe if I had done that before a test, it would have helped. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I fooled myself into thinking that helps. Yeah, I could see that. It's 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 almost it's it's yeah, getting out of your head a little bit, uh, and yeah, not so. It's getting out of your head maybe preemptively. Mm-hmm. 
What, what did Billy mean by consume story? Yeah, he says like you should maybe try to watch a movie every day or read a book or. Oh. He's big on that. He says it in all of his classes. Well, you know, I thought he, you know, consume life too, just have life experience. I think that was Colton's thing. Was do <laughs> more lives. Yeah. I wonder if I made up the stealing thing and I just decided to yeah, steal you, chapstick. You better be careful. All right. Especially after all these stories you're spreading about me kicking people. I didn't spread the teams. story. I actually came to you to debunk it. <laughs> I I stopped that story. I don't that sources on this story because they're getting kicked oh, off. It's whatever hand. Harold. You're <laughs> <laughs> kicking people off for spreading story. That would actually be funnier. I would like it if that happened. Um, okay, so then let's see how much time do we got. Eh, we're getting pretty close. Um, good scene versus great scene. What's what's where's the what what differentiates them? That was by Igor Hiller asked that. He wants to know, and I think it's a good question. Who asked that? It's my a guy named Igor Hiller. Igor, that guy that came in as Igor. <laughs> Not him. <laughs> <laughs> Igor's way better than that. <laughs> um, well, a great scene by definition of how we've talked about it on the podcast today, and I think how the UCB believes is a scene that you could write up word for word, and it's it's a great sketch. Mm-hmm. And a good scene would be one where there's the nugget of what could be a good sketch, but you probably need to rework it and cut out a lot of what you improvised and maybe go in a few different directions. Mm-hmm. But there are those great scenes where you're like in the, um, like I think we had one for an improv for humans the other day where I was like, wow, that was just a really, we could write that up. And I don't feel that all the time. Like yeah. I've, we've done 23 episodes and I've probably felt that way three or four times. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't just go, yeah, every, I do five great scenes every time improvise. I don't, you know, I feel like it's the way you say, did you reach Harold tonight? You can do a good Harold and you can do the perfect Harold. Um, and it doesn't take away from your herald when you don't do the perfect herald, but you got to respect those moments when you do do the perfect herald. Or sure. You do do the great scene. Okay. I like that. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I wouldn't, I think that's it. Cause you, you come from an era before mine when improv was, I think very de- defined by sketch. Uh, like Second City a long time back improv was to make sketch and you said that a great improv scene would be a perfect sketch or could be a great sketch which I think is funny because like I don't disagree with it but I don't think that that would literally like almost never come into my mind of a way to like define a great scene which is that's just really what is it closest to is it like something from a play for you so I improv? think there's good improv that is like a good scene from a play. Yeah. Um, I think it's a little more difficult, but some people don't improvise trying to find the game. They improvise more on, they, they find a real three dimensional character and improvise in it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, 
I would say their character is the game in that case. But anyway, usually when they're doing that and there's two people doing that, it kind of comes off like a, if it's done well, a good scene from a play. Yeah. If it's done bad, it just comes off silly. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I got to plug in my thing because it's about to die on me. And I didn't realize that. Um, All right. There you go. Quick second. Um, That might be the best plug. Yeah, I don't know if it'll reach. Oh, is there? Did you see something back yeah, there? Right here. Just be careful. weird interruption okay great so you know we've been talking for already an hour and seven minutes um we'll just yeah we'll wrap it up um so the pearls of wisdom segment classic segment on my podcast uh what uh so you hit so no stumpers for me because this is was what's the name of this of this podcast improv obsession obsession you're obsessed yeah so this is the this is the show that I can go as inside as possible. I try. I used to do a lot more history, and I I'm oh, trying no, to move I don't away like from history. that. Yeah, that didn't, I don't want to do that with you. I already know all the stories. Right. Um, I mean, now you're making me feel bad about not asking you a really hard question, which I don't even know <laughs> what the hard question is. Like, what are you going to get stumped by? What it, what what fucking question is there out no, there? No, I'm not looking to get stumped. No, it's God. not trivia. But I just feel you must have the, the certain questions that you ask everyone. No, I don't. I try to. I try to kind of speak to individual improvisers. Things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's why. That's why. I mean, I'm not going to ask. Uh, I don't know Alex Berg about Dell. I don't think he's got a lot okay. to say about it. Okay. Uh, all right. Fuck. Now I really. Now I'm looking. I'm like, do I have a really good question? No. No, you've had some good questions. No, that's fine. I like the. I'm, what I'm really saying is, I like the inside. There's a lot of you know. I like talking about Dell. Uh, I don't mind talking about the history of the ECB, but there's only so many podcasts where you can actually speak in improv language and not bore people. Yeah. Like on Pete, uh, you've referenced Pete Holmes podcast that I did. And I think I even said on that podcast, I hope I'm not boring people. Cause I think people who aren't into long form, the discussion of it can be kind of boring. But what's cool about it is I think people who are, are into long form improv are super into it. Yeah, exactly. I don't. So that's why I congratulate you on doing this podcast. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. So go ahead. When, yeah. Pearls so of wisdom. Pearls of wisdom. So that the whole thing uh, on that is there, was there ever, God, this feels weird asking. Was there ever a note or maybe some feedback you ever got when you were learning improv or whatever that you, that really resonated with you or made you, you know, I'm not a good or, quote. Remember. Okay. Um, it can be an idea. I or had you, Dell for so many years. I should, I should have, a thousand Dell quotes. It's I, I don't remember. <laughs> I just may, the- maybe like when you know, one time I was doing a scene and uh, 
I nailed my, I crucified <laughs> my scene partner. I nailed him to a cross, and then I stuck a sandwich in his mouth. Boy. And, and then after the scene, Dell just he made fun of me, and he just showed me how I had, you know, stymied and in, in the worst way did a puppet master teaching scene and made it where literally my scene partner couldn't talk because I stuck a sandwich in their mouth <laughs> and their hands were nailed to a cross where they couldn't remove the sandwich from their mouth. It couldn't have been more selfish, crazy. That, that taught me what a teaching scene was. Like this, I wasn't teaching in the scene, but it showed me that that's that's what a teaching scene is it's a scene where you, have you totally control. just control what your partner's doing yeah um and him making fun of me and what i did <laughs> was how i learned to not do that again sure um it wasn't necessarily a one sentence pearl wisdom that i remember. no it's fine no i don't yeah that, that's not i guess the goal of it but yeah that's uh that's perfect um all right so there we go we did it we did it yeah uh all these questions will be burned uh do you have anything that you want to plug talk about you have your upcoming yeah. freak dance and <clears throat> well improv for humans you, you can get it's that's a four a number four improv for humans it's one word and you can get that on itunes for free and on earwolf.com and buy t-shirts and stuff yeah <laughs> But the big thing I'm plugging right now is we're taking freak dance up the uh, into the south and up the east coast. And if you go to freakdancemovie.com, you can find out what cities. And hopefully some of your listeners have some friends in those cities they could tell to go check it out and support it. Cool. And if you don't, I will kick you off whatever Herald team you are on. <laughs> I will come and find you. Go find you and kick you off a Herald team. I love it. Um, all right. I guess that's it. All right. Thanks, man. Matt, can I have a copy of the book? The UCB book? Can I have yes. it? Great. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> he said yes. He has to do it. All right, guys. That was the Matt Besser interview. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please check out his movie, Freak Dance, freakdancemovie.com. Um, go see it. Enjoy it. See it 20 times. Um, and if you do see it and you run into him, you should tell him you heard about it from my podcast. Uh, I guess that's it, guys. Uh, rate, subscribe, comment, enjoy. And until next time, happy improvising. Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm Kimmy. And we're the hosts of Talk 30 Rock to Me. Do you crave cheese late at night? Do you have lots of thoughts on your mind grapes? Do you think a rape whistle can double as an accessory? Do you miss 30 Rock? We sure do. We miss it so much, we started a podcast about it. New episodes every Tuesday. Subscribe today.